Hello, my name is Nia Marie, and you are listening to The Inky Comet. As someone who has moved from city to city a few times, home has always been a difficult concept for me. Is it simply the place I was born and raised, the city in which I took my first full breath, or is it tied to my culture and heritage? I've asked two dear friends of mine, Antoinette of 42 Creative, and Vika, you all remember Vika, of Sacred Blooming, to explore this notion of home with me. Please enjoy Home, a Concept. question I get often, especially since moving to New York, is if I love it and if I'm going to stay here forever. And it's not really something that I have ever been able to answer. I think before I moved or even after I left any of the places I've lived. And most recently, though, as I've like been in a more serious relationship and thinking about, you know, where in the world would I want to raise children? Why? This idea of home has begun to stuck with me. And so you know, I wanted to have these conversations. And, and I think you, Antoinette, as someone who um, it has immigrant parents from Nigeria can kind of understand and how this notion of home can be so nuanced depending on our family histories. And so I think especially just for Black people as a whole, you know, like the movement of our ancestors before us has absolutely impacted, you know, what, 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 what we're claiming these days, mm-hmm. <laughs> what streets mm-hmm. we're claiming. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I'm wondering, curious for you, and we can both you know, take a shot at answering this, how do you define home and what part of that has been informed by your family legacy? Yeah, that is a good question. And I think about that a lot, too, because, you know, we both had Chicago as our home base at one point and we both came from very different places and then like soon after that we were both kind of thrown into other life things that took us away so I'm just always thinking about different moments different transient moments in my life and how that's informed like my take now on family and even just how I was raised to think about home so I'm a first gen um, Nigerian and I grew up in the DC area Um, my parents immigrated here a year before I was born in the 90s. And even growing up, my parents would always make it seem like where we were in Maryland was temporary. We never really referred to our home in Maryland as home. Like home was Nigeria. And home was always like, we're eventually (laughs) going to go back. Like, don't think this is, you know what I mean? Like, it was was kind (laughs) of like, and I think that notion isn't necessarily, um, it's a lot more common in the immigrant story because, you know, folks, some folks come thinking that like, they're just going to get the, you know, get, seize the opportunity, you know, do what they have to do, send money back home and then eventually retire back home. That's like the dream for a lot of our parents, you know, who are immigrants. So, yeah. But for a lot of us, it's not the case. Like some folks came to the States um, in the seventies and the eighties um, to go to university, like my dad went to university in Washington State, and then he also got his master's at um, in Louisiana at Tulane, and he eventually went back to Nigeria. But soon after, after he had my brother and my sister, he came back. So it's just like, what does that even mean for him? And even before my my parents were adults navigating the world, where they were raised in Nigeria wasn't their ancestral home. So 
I don't know. I just think there's levels to it. So all of that to say, yeah. <laughs> all of that individual experiences, how we were, how we were framed to look at where we were living when we grew up here and, you know, listening to my parents' stories about how, you know, they were able to grow up and stuff like that. My mom would always say, your, your world is your home. Essentially yeah. saying like, don't limit where, don't limit where, where, where you can go. Cause they literally yeah. had to, had to live through that like from, since they were young, you know, like she, she left home at the age of 12 and never lived at home full time since. So it's just like, yeah, no, that, I absolutely, that definitely resonates with me. I think especially just the kind of like, don't forget where you came from and also just like moving for opportunity. Right. right like I think right. that there is a, there is, and perhaps that is like just inherent to the human experience. But I just think about the fact that like, I grew up and was born and raised in Denver, Colorado. And whenever I tell people that, they're always like, what, black people in Denver? And I'm like, actually, in the, 60s, <laughs> in, in the 60s, there was this thing called the Great Migration. And it was the 50, well, throughout actually American history, this migration of like blacks and African-Americans from the South to, you know, the North in search of that, a better opportunity. So my family left, you know, rural Mississippi to Denver, Colorado for similar things. And I just remember growing up and my grandpa always saying, I'm going back home this summer and home and even back then, home being Mississippi, a place that I've never lived before, but, you know, was home to so much of my family and our culture and our legacies. And just, sorry, I just like wanted to interject because I feel like there's just so similarities there in terms of yeah. like these parallels of you move from these places, these ideas of home for better opportunities because home wasn't fulfilling all of your needs. Yeah. And, you know, where your mother was saying like, you needed to expand, you needed to move physically to expand mm -hmm. your life. And that's like, it's just very, sorry, when you said that, I was like, wow, that's just, that is so universal. <laughs> I think especially to West Africa. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, definitely. I was just going to add to that, like, just, just that notion of why our ancestors and our extended family had to leave in the first place were these structures that were put in place to yeah. kind of prevent a girl from pressing. <laughs> from growing from cultivating from establishing yeah and economies <laughs> you know in, in in you know stateside it's slavery it's jim crow yeah over in nigeria and, and other african nations that had colonial powers it was like colonialism direct rule and direct rule you know certain parts of nigeria had um access to quote-unquote western education certain parts were not the reason why my mom was born in the north of nigeria even though she's from the south southeastern part of nigeria is because her father was educated enough to get a government job in the north mm, and there are yeah. a lot of there are a lot there are a lot of people you know who are in that same predicament that just migrated from the south the southern part of nigeria up north and so like even at that she was she grew up around people who were from different parts of the country just by default you know homogenous but it was just by circumstance you know and it's, it's like it's cool but at the same time it's kind of like because it's just like I don't know it's like it was survival at the end of the day like folks needed to survive yeah. but then so then it's like so then what is home you know yeah. what I mean like is home this place that it's home because I, I mean, I struggle with that because you, you said it like we both came from Chicago, Chicago for a very long time. I felt like 
leaving Denver, Denver was always kind of like home in the sense it was where I was born and raised and it's where my family lived. But I never felt like in tune with the culture there. Mm-hmm. I never want like even when I was younger, like if, mm-hmm. ever since middle school, I was like, I'm out, I'm going to the East Coast. And then I went to Chicago, which it was which wasn't the East Coast, but it really felt more like me. And for many years, I think even through my time in Oakland, I felt like Chicago was home to me because it was like where my adult formation happened, you know, mm. where I became more in tune with my adult self. I don't know if you feel similarly about Chicago, but mm-hmm. I don't even know how I would define home. Like, is home simply where your original point of origin? Is it just to, like, mark where your journey is? Like, I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of moving parts with it. I don't think it's, like, one defined perspective because it's, a, it's I feel like it's all of those things, ultimately. Yeah. Like, I have a hard time with that, too, because you know, and you know how the dynamic is in New York too. There, there's a distinction between people who are, who are native New Yorkers and folks who aren't. And for me, and how long you've been here. Exactly. (laughs) And, and for me, I always try to be hyper aware of that and not try to be that like, um, transplant as they like to call everyone that is kind of obnoxious with how much space, how I take up space in this place. That's technically not my home base, you know? Um, but for me, I just think it's home can be the place or the people that you're around that help shape you in a very in a very distinct and like poignant way. It is mm. it can't it can be the space that you grew up in. Like I definitely am attached to my house in Maryland. Like especially yeah. when they're when my mom is pretty much there there by herself and you know we talk as a family we talk about like what's going to be next because she's aging and my dad's like in Nigeria for the most part so are we going to leave the house and I'm just like no I don't want to leave that you know what I mean <laughs> put my name just, on it <laughs> yeah like I'm not trying to I'm not trying to give up that house but it's just like yeah girl but that yeah, that's girl. also home you know yeah like home is where my family is to me like if I'm around my family I feel like I'm at home but my family is all mm. over the place so girl yes like absolutely like that is a perfect point like me going to my sister's house in Harlem and having Sunday dinner there is like just as good as having Sunday dinner at Denver at at Denver Mm -hmm. which I think like brings me to this next question of thinking like what is the purpose of home in our lives and like how it aids you Mm. um I think it's definitely a tool or like a thing that grounds me because I'm always thinking thinking about where I came from, legacy, what I represent, you know, the example I'm setting, folks I want to make proud. Like, I'm always thinking about that when I approach my work and just when I approach life, when, how people come across me, like, where do, how, what they encounter is where I came from, Hmm. you know? I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like for whatever, and this may also, I think, being like a descendant of slavery, it's a little bit different for me because I think mm. about also just like how our notion of home has been so disrupted by slavery mm. and like this point of origin, like where is our point of origin? So like as far back that I can get is Mississippi mm-hmm. and is Collinsville, Mississippi. And I remember we um, we went back last summer, I think it was last summer, the summer before last, oh my goodness, time is flying by, for a family reunion. And there was like, part of it that felt so familial like walking the land and like really seeing like where my family you know had been for years and years and years and like this is the largest concentration of Lewis's that I've ever been around you know Mm. um it still felt strange and alien in that like I would never want to come back to this place you know Mm. like I would want to live I I would want to be there in terms of physically be near 
where my ancestors were. But in mm-hmm. terms of like socially and politically, I could never live in Mississippi. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, I know, I feel like for me, home has been like, it, it is beyond like this point of origin. Cause like, even I think about, you know, home is also where my heart is. Home is with building, you know, a family and building a life with like my boyfriend. Home is heart. Like home is where you feel loved and where you feel accepted and you yeah. feel like you are being poured into and perhaps that is like different than being in other spaces where like you're not being as poured into I don't know yeah. but maybe people are have draining home lives <laughs> uh, do you have like a question in relation to that because I remember if I'm not mistaken you spent some time in Ghana back when you were an undergrad right? yeah, yeah I studied abroad there mm-hmm. and you know last year and even the year before that there's there's the whole like initiative of year of return and things like that so like Comparing your experience then to how folks from the diaspora are going back to Ghana, back to other African countries now, like intentionally, did you ever see that coming? And would you ever go back to kind of experience different countries in in Africa in that perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think I think going back to Africa and that's is, is like part of our legacy as like African Americans. Like you think about even like during the time of my Angelou and Malcolm X, like we've always, I think we're making, I think I went within that spirit of like reading, you know, my Angelou's book about her time there, like mm. hoping that I would go and I would feel like so connected and I would feel like instantly like African. Because I think when I went during that time of my life, like I was really in search of something more than the like slave narrative that yeah. I felt like my history had came come to. And it was very interesting. So I went, I went through, I can't even remember the name of the program, but it really wasn't geared towards African-Americans making a legacy trip. You know, it was mm. really just like, how do we make white Americans feel comfortable in Africa? Like that's oh. how it felt like. I actually didn't have that positive of experience in Ghana. And even like, I remember one of the Ghanaian professors, she was like, black Americans care too much about race. Like, and just kind of like <laughs> speaking poorly. And I was just like, are you serious? Really, really girl? Oof. Really? Because we're going to the slave castles next week. And last time I checked, <laughs> that had major implications. So, I mean, to be honest, I didn't have, I had a good time in Ghana. It was not what I thought it was going to be trying to go and have the experience that I think many African-Americans are going and having now. However, I will say though, I did find more pride in my own story and narrative there when I went and was able to kind of really visit and walk through the slave castles and just kind of reflect on this is what we came from and we're still living today. We still survive. We're still thriving. Like I think for me, it gave me the it, it gave me so much pride and confidence in who we are that I mm. feel like we, as Black Americans who have our descendants of slaves, like we do not give ourselves enough credit for being able to endure and thrive and to birth so many things for the world, like jazz exactly. music, gospel, like that came out that came from us, you know. Yeah. So, I my trip to Ghana made me more confident and more proud of who I am in terms of my legacy in America, which is very mm-hmm. interesting and backwards. I'm not surprised with how folks are, I know it feels backwards. I'm not surprised that folks are going there now. And I would hope to co- go back and have a more positive experience in on the motherland because that was kind of discouraging. I felt very alienated, I think, even from some of the Guinean people when I were there. Was mm-hmm. there. I mean, even when the few times that I've gone back to Nigeria, it's definitely different because I'm okay. I'm I'm navigating it as as someone who wasn't raised there. So even at that, like the dynamic is already different. Like how how I move, I have to be careful about how I moved. Like mm. it's just 
different. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from there. Yeah, and it's like hard too because I feel like in America, like being black, you're always the minority, you're always yeah. the outsider. And so mm-hmm. we go to Africa and we're like, yes, finally we're in the majority. We're gonna mm-hmm. be accepted. And it's you know, there's a whole there's whole groups of people that have their own histories and legacies that are like separate from us. So yeah. um it's just very and interesting. And even even just understanding why folks would come at black Americans that way on their own home yeah. just you know implications of these systems again you know and like what yeah. they're what they're exposed to what they're not exposed to um so yeah but i'm at the very least though i'm just happy to see that that conversation is coming back in like a more substantive way <laughs> that's kind of like an yeah. exchange more so than like i don't know nothingness yeah, because you go, I mean, you we could talk forever and just talk some thinking about the dynamics between, like, Black Americans and, like, African people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I think, mm-hmm. our misperceptions that we have of both of each other. That's, yeah. like, a whole three-part episode. Yeah, it is a three-part <laughs> episode. Just, like, bridging that gap. And it's just, like, how do we not, you know, but it goes... bridging that gap speak. mean? Everybody's talking Ugh. about bridging the gap. Is, like, do, do they even know what that means? <laughs> <laughs> do they know what it means? Do they know what it means? But at least you know what we just we just unpacked home, and we yeah. have decided that home is literally home is where the heart is. Mm-hmm. We've decided on a cliche. I have at least. I have my like crystals in front of me for this conversation because I feel like when we like you know you were the first season of the Inky Comet and like also one of the people that really introduced me to the power of crystals so and I as my spiritual friend I need I feel like you know it's helpful to have these (laughs) with me um (laughs) and you know it's it's interesting because Oakland for me if I'm honest with myself and perhaps you can resonate or this will resonate Oakland and California for me never felt like home. Out of all of the places that I think that I moved to, not all of the places, but I think moving to three different cities, like moving to Chicago, moving to Oakland, moving to New York, I have felt the less, the least attachment in terms of feelings of home to California than any of those places. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I am not really quite sure why. I think it was important to my overall development as a person. But in terms of like ever feeling like, oh, I need to get back to that city, I've never felt that. <laughs> uh, Is that shady? I, no, <laughs> Sorry. girl, I resonate. I, I completely, wholeheartedly, 100%. I resonate. I think of all the places that my journey has taken me as well. Being in California was the most isolating. Um, mm-hmm. I often said that like I felt like I was drowning in whiteness because where we were living at the time was just so bland. Yeah, you were where were you at again? Bakersfield. Oh, I was in the oh, yeah. nowhere. <laughs> we were in the middle of like it was like country. It was like the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suburban country. Oh, what love will make you do? That's a different conversation. Um yeah. but <laughs> it was just very <laughs> isolating. And mm. I mean I can look back now. <clears throat> now being on a different part of my journey and be very grateful for where that took me and where I was but at the time like it was 
I felt very disconnected to everything, to the people, to the land, to the businesses there, to the homelessness. Like, dude, there was just so many things that made uh, me feel very- The homelessness. Whoa, yo, pause on the homelessness. Yeah, like right? our <laughs> lack of feeling attachment and home in a place where like homelessness is literally so rampant and everywhere. Sorry, that was, wow. Powerful. No, absolutely. That's exactly what it was. Like it felt very um, isolating. So no, girl, I don't want to go back there. I feel like if I ever do go back, it'll be to like wine country and it'll be like, at a, you know, when you go back to the place that kind of like made you yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. go back to the destruction that you endured as a different, better person. Like, yeah, I'm sure I'll be open to one of those things. But even when I was there, and can we also talk about real quick Oakland? Because I didn't live in Oakland, but every time I visited there, it felt like, and this is going to sound so dark, but it really did feel like a graveyard of spirits just like people mm. and energy that just was very stuck and stagnant that couldn't leave and couldn't move. And there was just like this heaviness. Like, I don't know, I was always sad in Oakland and it was not for a particular reason. I think I just was really connected to like spiritual energy that was there that hadn't yeah. moved on. So, you know, yeah. I, there, there was an awkwardness there and I never knew if like the awkwardness of the, my time in the Bay area was due to my own like development that I needed to do my like not having community, not really knowing people. I mean, I guess we ha I had a community that was built up, but I guess like beyond like not having the stronger ties that I do in the other cities that I've lived. Like, um, like, roots. like roots. I just, yeah, exactly. I didn't have roots there. And it was an awkward time, especially to be in Oakland to going from my first year moving to the Bay area in like Somar, right. As a bar, just like really being just like <laughs> one pop in place in downtown <laughs> Oakland and downtown Oakland being virtually closed. Right. To like now it's open until 2 AM and there's like a bar on every block and like, it's, it's filled with people, even just that transition. And to your point, this transition of like, what was like, what is native land, really the Bay area. And just even like the legacy of the black Panthers to really just kind of like destitute pro not destitute but just like just I don't know it's just it's it's been a shift and they're like I think this witnessing gentrification and the shift of just black bodies and black and brown bodies to the outskirts <laughs> um and just like seeing it firsthand I think also made me not I don't know not vibe with Oakland yeah it was interesting too because I know so in one of the jobs that I had when I first moved there, there was this woman that was there and she had this twang and it sounded like she was from down South. And I was so confused because she said that she grew up in Oakland her whole life. So I was like, immediately, why does an Oakland native twang sound like it's from down South? And then later in talking to her and doing my own research, I found like so many migration patterns that went from the South to Oakland. Like it's like where a lot of people went to like make their new homes and to like, uh, just like reestablish themselves. And so even to that, I, it made me, I think it was bittersweet learning that because I was like okay like there's some people here but also I was just like damn like even with that migration it still feels like there's a spirit that's that's fighting and that's like not really at peace like it doesn't feel like this is a peaceful um energy it felt like it was still kind of like trying to like keep its head above water does that make sense I'm not sure if I'm yeah <laughs> the way that I'm no I mean I'm just wondering though too like even in building off that sorry I didn't mean to cut you off but it just got me really so excited like again going back to home like that type that migration pattern is like what's connected to so many cities in the north you know like the great migration was such a big thing my family was a part of it moving from Mississippi to Denver of all places but you had like miss a lot of folks in Mississippi went to Chicago a lot of my students when I worked in the Bay Area they had connections to Louisiana and it's just so interesting people from New York seem to have connections to North Carolina it's just interesting how there were these patterns of 
where you were from the South and like how that helped to determine where you would end up. But again, like this idea that our ancestors, that Black folks at this time were moving their homes in search of better opportunities to these places, to these cities that today aren't necessarily, like, does, is, are they, are, is the North today still pro providing like the better opportunities or, you know, the better culture experience, cultural experience that it once did, you know, like, some would argue that no longer that's that's no longer the case. Like people are moving to Atlanta for that like rich black experience, or that like Texas of all places. Like I don't know, this just that thought just made me think about like what do we lose along the way when we journey as people from place to place and make homes? Like what graves are we leaving? Listen, as black people, <laughs> we lose <laughs> so much. Like, and that's the part. I think there's nothing, not that there's nothing sadder, but one of the saddest things to me is like loss of culture, loss of ancestry, loss of history, loss of ancient ancestral knowledge. And when we move like that, yeah, we are making the best of it because change is permanence, change is inevitable, change is constant. However, we're losing so much. We're losing the connection to the land that we had built on for a very long period of time. We're losing tradition. We're losing culture. We're losing a lot. We're also creating a lot of new to like replace it. Right. Yeah. But there's still like a displacement. And I don't, I don't know. I wonder sometimes I feel like how devastating must it be to pick up and move and relocate and to build something from scratch to have it taken away from you because you know, the U S be sabotaging black people all the time. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> so then they have it sabotaged from you like how everyone always talks about black people having resilient spirit and we do but it's like at what point do we stop just trying to fight to live and just like enjoy where we're at and, and really have joy be what's guiding us and I feel like a lot of this migration um, conversation is is rooted in like resilience and like I just I want to I wanted to shift to joy. Like that's what it felt like with Oakland. Like Oakland was just resisting and resisting and resisting. And then it was tired and it's like, okay, well, where's that revitalization? Where's the spark of like spirit back there? And granted, again, I'm just saying, I didn't live there. I don't know all the like little nooks of Oakland, but in my couple years living there and visiting there, that's what it felt like. Yeah. I mean, I like Oakland gave me joy. Oakland was the space that I needed for that time in my life. So I think I'll always have love for it in that regard. But I think just in terms of like, as much growth as I happened there, that happened there, it didn't feel like a home of these are my people in the same way that Chicago did. And even now living in Harlem and New York, I think an honest part for me is home needs to feel like, home needs to feel like there's a bunch of my family there. And what I mean that is like, I want to be living in places where there are other black people, just being quite honest. You know what I mean? Like oh, I feel more I at home. I need black people in my life. <laughs> yes, exactly. I need black people in our life. And just growing up in Denver, I think I always felt bad about that truth. And it's like, no, I'm sick of always having to explain myself. You know, I am sick of always being the only one because that's an uncomfortable experience. And unless you've had that experience, you can't speak to it. Right. And so I think, yeah, I, I, so there's that. And I think also back to your point, just in terms of resilience, but I do think that there was like a necessary part of what Black Americans, I will speak, will say, have had to do just in terms of like being able to make a home in your spirit or make a home in terms in love rather than like a physical space. Like if I think about the fact that like my family originate or, you know, 
my last point of entry that I can know that they were at, were at was in Collinsville, Mississippi. And, but where, who were they before they were there? Like, who were they before they were taken across, you know, thousands of miles over the high seas under horrid conditions? Like, who were they then? Where were they from? And I think, like, even in my study abroad experience in Ghana and trying to reconnect that, I was un unable to do that. And so I think, like, as far back that I've been able to come has really been within the slave experience and, or not the slave, but the experience of American slavery. And when I think about even then, like, trying to make a home during that time when at any point you could have been, like, raped and sold off, your kids sold off, like, you know, really anything taken, every, any and everything taken from you. I think that experience in and of itself has perhaps conditioned us to, I don't know, to not be attached to physical land, to not be attached to it in the sense that like, this is where I will always be. For me personally, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like I'm really living out the spirit of my ancestors, the spirit of my, I guess my grandparents at least, in terms of thinking through like this place is no longer serving me so i will no longer bless it with my presence in, in black cities like to your point black people we do not have political power and you can call it implicit bias you can call it institutional racism you can call it whatever you want but as a result communities in which we live are often get the short end of the stick it's where most of the manufacturing happens less parks we don't get the growth we have the food deserts the things go on and on there's like all this environmental racism that goes into it and also just in thinking about just like unfair policing depending on the city that you're in or just not fitting into the larger culture and i think me personally i've always just been very sensitive to those things so growing up in denver just being black being very just like having natural hair at that time when it was not cool to have natural hair, being very like not necessarily being light skin, being um, darker, being darker skin, it felt like the odd one out. Like, and I think that even in Oakland, again, in spaces where I don't see others who look like me, I always often feel just like a little too much. I hate, that's why I hated San Francisco. It's just, I don't, I'm not a person, like I'm all for diversity and I love meeting people from other places, but just the me being the only black person in the room is just not something I want to do anymore. <laughs> and it doesn't feel at home to me. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> Nothing the whole time. No, I hear you and I feel you. I do. I think if I'm thinking about your point of feeling displaced, and I really like what you said. Like, if I, if I realize that the environment is no longer serving me, I'm not even going to bless it, bless it with my presence. I think that, you know, everyone has this ability, especially Black people, because this is a part of the spirit of resiliency. We have the ability to, like, just shut it down and shut it yeah. off. Anything and whatever we need to, to be able to endure and to get through. Now, how that unfolds is that later in life when we're no longer in that environment it's sometimes hard to turn off that survival mechanism so we're living like we're in like a life or death situation when we're not and that becomes the transition between living and thriving right like just trying to get by versus just like enjoying it and like I, I definitely know given my own personal story and how frequently I've moved I've never felt attached to like a geographical location until I visited Brazil and until I went to Cuba, both very mm -hmm. spiritual experiences in my life. But when I was there, what I was being called to was an ancestry that's within my blood, regardless of whether or not I know the, the names of who they're attached to. Like it's a different type of calling. And I do just recognize within myself that I've used the same um, like mechanism. Like I've completely just disappeared while still being there in certain locations that haven't served me all throughout college, <laughs> all yeah. throughout 
college in Worcester, Massachusetts, I did not want to be there. My body didn't want to be there. My spirit didn't want to be there, but I had to endure. I had to get this degree, right? And so you yeah. find ways to cope and you find ways to make it work. But what I'm, I think what I'm trying to get at and the, the point that I'm trying to make is how free is our spirit? How free is what we're creating? How free is our connection to home? If part of what we are doing and part of what the majority of our energy is doing is actively trying not to be there <laughs> and actively mm. trying to like push away, like where is home? And I think for me, the way that I've developed home is it really does live within you. Like home is where the heart is. And for a long time, because I hadn't worked through some of the things in my heart, I felt very displaced. I didn't feel like I had a home at all. And given the amount of work that I've been doing over the years with my heart chakra, I, I now feel like I have a sense of home within myself, which is beautiful. But before, I didn't, I didn't have the luxury of time to do that, right? And I can only yeah. imagine my ancestors also not having that luxury. So I take home very seriously now. Like I take my space very seriously. I take what I allow into my home and into my heart very seriously because I'm tired of feeling this place. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm tired. I'm sure my whole lineage is tired. Like, no, we're not not in this, not within this point in time where we have so much um, resources and ability and potential to create the life that we want, right? Yeah. Not the fact that there's still forces at be, but like we really are in a privileged time, I think. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Like when I think about the things that just like, I mean, not to diverge and just talk about, uh, you know, just other things, but when I just think about things that upset me, just in terms of like, I think into my personal fight to make us live in a more racial, equitable, racially equitable world, like the things that bothered me are not the things that bothered Malcolm X. They're not the things that bothered <laughs> Harriet Tubman. They're not the things that, bo that bothered like anybody. You know what I mean? Like these are just, these are peanuts in comparison. They're not the things that even bothered my grandmother, you know, um, who cleans the floors of white women. Like, they're just not the same things and I think in understanding that privilege and also just like honoring my own self and like honoring that we it's just like honoring our own journey while also paying homage to those and you know just giving yourself some perspective so you don't just get lost in it um right. complete side joke like but that just <laughs> though like I mean I don't know about you but like I used to feel super guilty about having this privilege and I, then I went through like a period of feeling stressed out about like not doing enough with my time or my Girl. life and then I just had to realize that like me just existing and breathing and being grateful for that breath is honoring them. And it's about like, for me, rebuilding from that point up to like reclaim my power because like, you know, that quote, we stand on the, like the, the shoulders of giants or something like that. Like yeah. I feel that, but I also feel like that pressure can be just as uplifting as it is crushing. And if you're not balancing between the two, if you're not doing what you need to do to like transmute that energy into power it can feel very like crumbling anyway how do you okay so I went down this wormhole right about like how home for me is not a geographical location it's within my heart and how I had to do a lot of work to be able to feel comfortable with my heart chakra and like really opening it um so I guess I'm just curious about your relationship with your heart like how do you how do you feel safe in your heart or what allows mm. you to feel like you can come home to your heart because I think the same way that we can shut off our connection to whatever environment we're in that's not serving us we can also shut off our connection to our own heart if like the emotions are too painful or too overwhelming or mm. if we want to process in the moment so I know that you've had like a really big shift moving from California to New York and now girl you are thriving which is beautiful thank oh. you <laughs> Thank you, girl. Like, you have to go. Like, it's just such a great space for you. Anyway, so I'm just curious, like, especially that, but also in light of like the beautiful relationship you're in, like, 
how has your relationship with your heart changed? Yeah, no, that's such a good, that is such a good question. And I feel like it was really through that process, like, right? Like we always talk about being like manifestation buddies because we have literally manifested the lives that we're living now together. And I think doing that heart work was in that move, right? It was in the move. It was like, I think it began at like the, the end of my time in Oakland when it was like, this place is no longer serving me for whatever reason. I think beyond just like not necessarily having feeling, you know, not necessarily vibing with the like local culture. It was just like physically even myself and just understanding that I need, I have to do some personal work and I need to withdraw myself from some relationships so that I can give myself some space to do that. And since I've moved to New York, it's been very interesting because although I don't, I would say I have a smaller community here than I have in any of the places that I've lived in. I think the quality of that community is so is 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 strong, but and not just because of the people, but I think more or less more so because of like the work that I've done, and um, just doing some healing and growing personally. And I think that came from the isolation. I, I really, you know, I haven't really spent a lot of time with other people, and I've, in that time, I have had a lot of reflections. Uh, about like what my needs were. It was also going to therapy and being able to process like my past pains. And I think in this relationship, um, Jeff is like such an amazing man. I love our relationship because it, it serves as a mirror for me and a mirror that's like not always showing me the best parts of myself, but I think like the dark parts of myself that I don't always want to admit and are really hard to learn and really hard truths. So, like, you know, like the negative, like we, we have to take the good and the bad, like the yin and the yang. So that heart work for me has been through um just like honest truths with myself um i think intentional just like intentional healing time through chanting and through and through mental health and through therapy um and i think also the willingness to be vulnerable enough to love somebody like on this podcast before <laughs> i would always talk about like wanting to be in relationships and i think the hard truth that i've learned over the past couple of years like just how not emotionally available i was like i think towards the end of my time in california i started to get glimpses of the the walls i had up i had glimpses of the ways that i pushed people away but it wasn't until i actually you know, within a relationship and I'm thinking more intentionally about forming friendships with people that I realize just like, just how vulnerable I'm not. <laughs> so that has been the work that I've done. I think to your point, just to be able to be comfortable and to feel at home here right now and to just feel that comfortability wherever my, my wherever I am. And also I think more for me, my, my issue was like to be able to protect my space and put up boundaries so that, you know, it stays sacred. Yeah. Oh, damn. Girl, tell me about you. Tell me about you. Girl. <laughs> That's so much beautiful growth. That's so much beautiful yeah. growth. I love that. I love that. I think I, I resonate with a lot of it. I mean, this journey of being able to see yourself authentically and truthfully really does, it requires a lot of, I won't say isolation, but solitude. Like you need yeah. yes, and you need to limit the influences from outside to be able to really dive deep and to figure out what's going on with you. And I think for me, I got to the point where I realized I had been in a relationship for such a long period of my time for like my formative years. <laughs> I joke and I say that like I did my time because I really did. It felt like we broke up because there was like seven years. And what I learned was that there was still 
like there was some recalibration and I think it wasn't so much opening my heart, but it was learning how to put boundaries in place so that my heart and the way in which I love can be honored. Cause I just, I was in a place where I had put my heart out there so much with my family, with my friends, with my, like I just was doing everything for everybody. And I was also doing their emotional work. So for me, it was about putting the boundaries in place to like, okay, this is yours. Let me give it back to you. I can hold space for you, but that I'm not going to do it for you. And that was really difficult for me. And the more that I honored those boundaries for myself, the more I found that I had more capacity in my heart to love myself, <laughs> which was, I mean, you would... <laughs> <laughs> you're like, if I could just give this to myself, what? Instead of Listen. other people? <laughs> It was, the thing is Zonia, like when I realized that, when I realized I had more capacity to love myself, I wasn't, it didn't, oh, this is so crazy to think about. It didn't make me like happy or excited. It made me like really frustrated. It made me frustrated for two reasons. For number one, I was like, how is it that I'm now realizing this, (laughs) you know? But also number two, just like, how is it that I don't know how to do this? Like I was not taught this. I I don't know blueprint I don't have a manual and there's nothing to say that me continuously doing and figuring it out myself is like the best way for me so I had to like work through a lot of uh just like mindset like I had to get in the right mindset to learn how to love myself and I keep telling myself to this day I'm like this is a muscle if you don't use it it will weaken like you have to learn how to use it every single day you have to do the things you have to eat even when you're not hungry like something as simple as that but like really being kind to my body um, and I think that really helped me strengthen the relationship I have with my heart. Like I, when I tell you that I'm my favorite company, like I love people in my life, but like I love myself most. <laughs> and I hate, you know what I hate? A little sidebar. I really hate that we live in a society now that really shuns, like everyone wants you to be confident, but they don't want to see you in the process of building confidence. And it's like, well, how do you expect someone to have it? Like you can't just be born with it. Again, it's a skill, it's a tool, it's a muscle. But what self-love has done for me, let me tell you how good yeah. self-love manifests. Like you realize that that doesn't matter. Like when you genuinely love yourself and when you're good and content being alone with your own company and in your heart, you really don't give power to anybody else to take that from you. And that's the biggest lesson I've learned. Girl, you saw me in California, you know. <laughs> it has been a complete <laughs> The thing is, a lot of people are going to be having that experience right now because you can't distract yourself from it. Thank you for listening to Thinky Comet. Please visit thinkycomet.com to share any feedback and love. Take care of yourself and others, y'all. We are all we got. Peace.